0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Mira, I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'm joined by tech leaders Joel, Anka, and Matt to discuss how to get the best out of your tech teams. I'll get everyone to introduce themselves first, and then we'll jump into the discussion. So, Joel, if you wouldn't mind starting off the intros, please. Thanks, Mary.
1: Um, Hey, I'm Joel. I'm currently an engineering manager at Safety Culture. I've been working in the industry it's well, almost 20 years now, um, so quite a while, and I've gone through the transition of being an engineer, working in a lot of startups, to finding my passion was working with people and really understanding people and how to drive that best team that you're talking about there, Mira. Um, so am yeah. very excited to talk with everyone and learn from everyone, and I'll pass it over to Anka,
2: Thanks, Gerald, and hey, everyone. This is Ankur. I have been in the industry from almost 18 and a half years, have experience in various fields, specialization is in quality DevOps and uh, other uh, migrations and mergers. So I have been working very closely with the uh, Woolworths team uh, recently as an engineering manager there. And in this scope, I have been uh, delivering value and improving the practices within the engineering space. So that's where I am trying to be helpful. Thank you. Over to you, Matt. Thanks, Ankur. Hi, everyone.
3: Uh, My name is Matt and I'm an engineering manager at Octopus Deploy. Um, As an engineering manager at Octopus, I manage multiple teams um, managing cross-functionally, so with engineers, designers, and product managers. um, And those teams do various different things around the Octopus product. Um, alongside the management of those teams, I'm also uh, responsible for some cross-cutting projects across kind of the cultural side of, of engineering and, and R&D more broadly. Um, and I'm I'm really passionate about improving um, a di- diversity, equitability and um, inclusion um, of the tech industry as a whole.
0: Thanks so much Matt and I guess before we kind of jump into more of the questions for today I think it will be good to just kind of define what the best means and how to get the best out of your tech teams and then more on that how do we actually measure it as well. So whoever wants to jump in and give their two cents first. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I can. Thanks. I can go first. I can take a first one, and then please feel free to jump in. Uh, well, from there are different parameters for me at least when I talk about a best team or a best uh, as a word in in uh, in itself. Best could be um, could be related to the deliveries. Uh, best could be related to the happiness of the team. Uh, best could be related to the trust within the team, and there are various factors on which. We can we can rate a particular team to be a uh, best team. Um, and I guess it is always relative to one another. So from from an experience, uh, if a team is high performing, heavy, uh, giving deliveries on time every time but not happy, I would doubt that we would call it as a, as a best team. Uh, what do you guys think?
3: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, there's there's probably no one definition, and it's going to always depend on on the individual team and the individual situation. Because for even for the same team, it may change over time. Um, and I think there are some things that are kind of non negotiable when we're talking about best team, and it's kind of you need to you need to be getting um, the best or somewhere near the best out of the individuals within the team. Um, and you need to be able to also have the team operate so well together that it's more than the sum of its own parts. So when you've got a team that's functioning well, it should be more than just if you had a collection of say four individuals all kind of doing the same thing. Um, I think some of the, the non-negotiables for me, um, like you have to have alignment. You have to know the team has to know what it's, Goal is, and I, when I was thinking about this question, I was actually thinking like, I'm not sure it's possible to 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 restate the goal of the team too many times. Um, like, if you start every meeting by saying this is the goal of the team, you may sound a little bit silly to yourself. But I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing. Like, it's it's so crucial to me. Um, yeah, uh, I guess. We'll we'll go into some more details um as as we go. But uh Joel, what do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely, Matt. Um, as you're talking about and I'll just touch on your last point quickly about the um restating the goal of the team. I can't agree more with that. Um I've heard before don't quote me on this, but um <laughs> as humans, if we leave any metric or lead anything in front of a human, we're Automatically attracted to it, and that's what we're focusing on. So, if you've like you go around sales teams and things like that, you've always got your KPIs and your metrics that you're aiming toward. And the more you have that, it aligns everyone inside a team to have that common goal, which is like what brings us together as a team. Um, Back to the question about what is best, I think Anka, you raised a really interesting point there um, about what best is, depending on who is determining what best is. Um, I think you can. Every single person in the, well, not just the industry, every single person, um, you'll have people who are relationship-focused or you have people on the other side of the spectrum, which is the task-oriented um, side of yep. things. And if, depending on which side you're on, you'll naturally see a team is, if you're task-oriented, you'll be like, all right, what's the output like? Um, do they have enough output, et cetera, et cetera? And then based on that, you'll probably determine if a team is the best and then contrary to the other side of being relationship. Um I don't think there's any silver bullet, to be honest. I think I'm very much aligned and in love with um, well, the Dora framework when it first came out um, from Google, and that was more to do with output from a team um, as opposed to the satisfaction. And I was very happy when um, then the space framework came out after that from that was Microsoft and GitHub, I believe, um, who are the same now. Microsoft, (laughs) anyway. um, when they did the next version of that, so to speak, and released the space framework, this was taking in all of the learnings from the DORA framework and looking at the output and then adding satisfaction into that metric, so understanding that a team shouldn't ever just be judged if it's the best based on the output that you're having because a lot of the output will be... Um, highly related and interrelated to the satisfaction of the team. Then, like, you've got other factors which will come in there, like your attrition inside teams and things like that, which obviously detract from the output of a team um, if you're having high attrition um, based on that. So in a very roundabout way to answer your question, Mira, I don't think there's <laughs> a silver bullet, but I think there's um, some yep. great tools that we can use as EMs, such as Space Framework, to have a holistic view Of a of a team and remove any bias that we may have. If I'm a relationship um, oriented or a task oriented person, Mm -hmm. um, this helps to remove that bias I'll have in judging a team if it's good or bad. Um, So I think using holistic tools like that helps a lot to remove that inherent bias that we do have. Anchor, anchor,
2: yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's a that's a great uh, explanation and definitely these frameworks do come handy at least uh, specifically when there is nothing that exists uh, like a silver bullet. These frameworks do give us some guidance to a certain extent and uh, give us the confidence that something has been working over the past with the different companies and at a large scale. So, yes, definitely. but uh, Matt, you, you picked up a very good point as to uh, highlighting and mentioning goals and the clarity around goals, because definitely without a vision, um, the team is just a uh, number of people sitting together in a group uh, and with, without a purpose. But I was in a summit where um, uh, where this thing also came up as to up to what what is the level of uh, vision that needs to be cascaded or, uh, altogether to be a t, uh, to the team to become at a best team for example should we be passing on everything that ceo is thinking or should we passing on everything that an individual within the team has been doing to the ceo because there is a very long chain of hierarchy in the real real world and definitely there is a balance that is really important. That needs to be maintained, and trust needs to be gained by the team itself in the leadership who has been driving the bus to say uh, that this is the goal that we have achieved. Uh, we have received to be accomplished. But there is a when it goes into a bigger and a wider picture, uh, integrated together, it will solve the wider problem that we are trying to work towards. So that's that's a that's a really uh, great. Area where uh, uh, where more focus is required and a balance needs to be maintained as to what, how, and how much needs to be passed on and when.
0: Definitely, and yeah. sorry, go on, Matt.
3: Sorry, I was I was just going to pick up on that, and and um, it's really interesting. Ankur's looking at this from a like, how much communication do you give to the team about what's going on outside of the uh, outside of the team and the rest of the organization. Um, but one of the things that I like about, um, things like Dora or space, like Joel was mentioning, is it it gives you a a language and a framework to communicate what's going on within the team to, uh, to people outside of the team. So uh, as leaders, we all, we all still have people who, who we are sort of, um, responsible for, um, for reporting up to, um, and it's great to be able to demonstrate, Hey, so I've got these, these two teams over here and this team is doing really, really well on this, um, this measure and, and this other team is doing great on this one, but we could really use a bit of help uh, in this area. Or um, bringing on an extra designer is really going to help us, um, like figure out and make make more progress on on this particular uh, piece of work that we're we're doing, um, because that's the bottleneck. Um, things like that. Whereas if you if you rely entirely on your own subjective view of how uh, how the team is doing, whether they're doing the best that they can be, it's a lot more difficult to communicate that and to compare across teams as well. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. There's there's that whole two-way, two-way communication.
1: Um, I'm just going to chime in here again. I can't help but stop thinking about the, um, the reiteration of the team goals and all the, well, the communication from the top um, down, but where where do you find that your role is as an engineering manager to redirect those goals if they say might be product goals or company goals um, like where's the delineation between your responsibility and their product or is there any um
3: yeah so i i find for for me it's um i guess we have we have company goals that are communicated pretty broadly we have some product goals that again are still quite broad and not specific to a, an individual team and then each of the teams I manage, they contribute to those goals in some particular way. They each of the two teams quite different in the way they they hit those goals. One is creating a brand new feature; it's really clear, like this is just ticking this box off a of product roadmap. We didn't have it before, and when we're finished, we will have it. Um, the other team is responsible for improving the onboarding journey for new users or or people coming into to um, Octopus at a company for the first time, and that it's a lot more difficult to measure, difficult to show the direct link to that um, company and product strategy. Um, so we've had to be very clear, um, like this is our interpretation of our goal. Um, and it's something that myself and our, our product leadership team, um, sort of a product manager and the designer within that team as well, um, we we kind of were given a remit and we, we worked together. We said, this is this is our interpretation of the goal and this is our interpretation of how it fits. And we've had to be really clear about communicating that back up the hierarchy to make sure that that is aligned with what our head of product thinks, what our CEO thinks and, and the expectations are being met that way. And once we've got that clarity, we can then talk about that in the team as though it's the only thing the team needs to care about. Like, um, we 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 can link it to the various, to customer success and we can link it to company success, but ultimately the team doesn't need to know um, that much about the overall company's plans, as long as they know that improving that onboarding journey and the metrics that we use to measure that onboarding journey are going in the right direction.
2: Yeah, as an engineering manager, to to, uh, best of my understanding, uh, the main responsibilities uh, which will assist teams to become a best performing and a high performing teams would be lead by examples and uh, strongly negotiating the goals for the teams because if I'm not able to negotiate the goals with the product owners, uh, pretty much everyone wanted everything yesterday. So yes, that is a that is a great skill as an engineering manager one should have. Um, so that to negotiate the goals and have a clear and concise plan in front of the team to be able to deliver. in in, in addition to that, uh, another area where I think as an engineering manager, one needs to be very careful uh, in giving the independence, yes that is very important because uh, the more you restrict them the uh, the limited opportunities and the options you, or the value you're going to get out of the team so you're going to give them the limited uh, independence but within a framework and that framework needs to be defined uh, within the company and within the within the within the peers to be able to identify that when to stop uh, the expansion and uh, the the discovery and when to uh, start working on the actual piece of work so a very great negotiating skills needs to be there not only on the product management side but also within the team side as well where you're going to be driving the initiatives because at the end of the day we are not in the space of researching we are in the space of delivery so if we continue to research but not deliver therefore it won't add value to the business um and the last, but not the least, is the motivating factor. So, as an engineering manager, that is my utmost responsibility to ensure my team is continuously motivated. Now, it could be there could be different reasons, and believe you me, I've I've experienced quite a, a, a lot of different reasons for which people are demotivated, maybe in their personal life or something else. But then that's as a manager, one needs to come in front and talk to their people and then ensure that we are not, again, focusing only on the deliveries, only on, on the improvements, but we are also talking on the humane side of it and keeping the team motivated. Because I certainly have experienced where the highly motivated team has produced better results than a highly skilled team. So, I I strongly suggest that as an engineering manager, that is something that's really important.
0: Thanks so much, Anka. And I think, yeah, we've definitely given that a good understanding of what best really means. And jog quickly, just before we move on, what would you say are some of the key ways um, that you've measured that success of what a best team really means?
1: Um, uh, it- yeah, there are a lot of different ways to measure. I won't say just like I said, there's no silver bullet. I think the space framework is a great, um, a great way to get signals from your team and understand which ones are important for your team. Um, I think one of the best and probably the most important one is talking to your team and having trust between them to understand on a um, on a personal level about what's important to the team and hear from the ground um, as opposed to looking at some metrics um, from a So I don't think there's any one. Um, one silver bullet, as I said before, but it's about understanding um, all of the opportunities there to understand your team better and um, being confident that the metrics um, displayed if your team, any member in your team was together, they would too say that you're a really good team or they've got the opportunity to um, change anything inside the team to drive one of the metrics in another way if they needed to.
0: Yeah, perfect. Thank you. And I think kind of just adding on to what we've sort of been discussing already, but how do you balance that immediate productivity um, with the long-term team health and growth? So I guess what's best for right now and then what's sort of best for the future if Matt, you wanted to comment on that?
3: Yeah, I, I think that one's a, a really interesting challenge. Um, sometimes you, you're kind of faced with those, those hard deadlines, like Maybe they're already committed to a to a customer deadline, um, and it's pretty tight. Um,
2: and,
3: <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, I've got this this great team of engineers, and I, I want to make sure they're all highly motivated. You get a chance to to learn new skills and do all of this. And you're like, look, to be honest, we're going to be up against that deadline, even if we had uh, a team who already knew every single thing that they need to be able to do in order to do this. There's just that much work to get done, and I think that's where that balance between like, well. I, in an ideal world, I would want to put um, like some some seniors with some juniors and help them sort of develop those skills. Um, give juniors the opportunity to have exposure to parts of the system that maybe not touched before. Um, to sort sort of help them be, build that knowledge, reduce knowledge silos, etc. But I also just need somebody to actually do the work, and I need them to do it by the end of the week. Um, and if they have to learn how to do it and then do it. And we're not going to hit that time. I think there's a, a balance there where you need to say, okay, like be pragmatic. I have to have my best engineer solve my most complex challenge, or the mo- the the one that they, their skill set matches up to the best. Um, and I, that's not sustainable over a long period of time. That's exactly how you end up with burnout or teams that are really demotivated. Joel mentioned attrition earlier as well, which is an absolute killer for for productivity and, and sort of high performing teams. Um, so I I think that what I do there is I really lean into sort of the individual relationship building, um, like speaking directly to the individuals involved saying, look, Hey, I know that the next X number of weeks are going to not be as motivating for you. I understand your motivations. I understand that I'm not meeting them. Um, the reasons for this are X and the, the, the deadline for when I, expect this to be over is why um and like you just have to to hope that you've built those built those relationships with a level where um this engineer has trust in you and faith in you your ability to tell them the truth and to actually deliver on those promises um and then i i think it's it's really easy for them to sort of buy in and say okay i know that matt's got my best interests at heart but i i don't get to do the fun stuff right now he'll get he'll get me onto the fun stuff uh or he'll get me onto the the stuff that's going to help me grow my career um and he's going to do it by this date because he said he is and like yeah so it's, it's that re- like relationship strength if you don't have those strong relationships i can't imagine having that conversation with someone and it, it going well um yeah. so yeah i think that's that's key for me anka you look like you were ready yeah. to say something
2: yeah, no, you, you you're right, and that's that's really really important that I I have at least experience as well uh, in in my uh, job uh, in my past experiences. Yes, uh, in in addition to that, I know uh, what I've also experienced is. Uh, continuously uh, rewarding and recognizing employees is something that goes a long way as well. I mean, by recognition and rewarding doesn't mean it has to be a double up the salary. It could be a, as small as a $30 or a $20 gift card or something as a, as a shout for a lunch, because those small gestures actually uh, makes team uh, more, makes one feel more approachable and uh uh, so that we can we can talk about anything and everything that has been happening, um, and while emphasizing on to the goal for the organization that you have a visibility to as a manager, because you, one as a manager you do not only have the visibility to what your team's capabilities are, but also what uh, the expectations of the senior leadership or the management is from your team. Um, It is also important while you are uh, playing out that particular balance, you should always, or one should always include into the mix as to the personal uh, improvements as an individual within the team who want to achieve. And uh, maybe uh, uh, it could be as small as getting uh, a training on a three-day training on a particular tool or something uh, of the sort, which doesn't uh, require a huge amount of time and energy from the entire team. But if planned right, or even if it is visible in the visibility of three months and six months or whatever time you're going to be going ahead with it, it is actually something uh, which assists team in delivering more value. Um,
1: Chairman here, I think I I completely agree with Anke everything you said there. Matt, um, you raised it. Interesting point there about um, having to trust the relationship and focusing on uh, the relationship um, inside of the team. I guess this will go back to the point I said before about the the relationship versus task oriented people and um, where you kind of sit there. Um, The interesting thought I had in there and I've kind of experienced it before, but sitting down with people inside the team in this situation where you've got a deliverable or you've got something you've got to get done, which maybe the team don't want to do, or maybe they do want to do. um, But having that um, very open and vulnerable conversation and like putting the, say the CEO's hat on, for instance, and saying, Hey, like um, from this um, perspective, like if we put on a CEO's um, hat, what would you prioritize in terms of the things we have right now? Uh, what would you do? What's best for the business at the moment? And I think with that, it kind of um, it relates a little bit to the whole Simon's next start with why philosophy. So no one likes to be told what to do. Um, but if you explain and get people to agree with why it is the most of the highest priority, you can um, bring in a little bit of motivation um, for people to understand why that is priority and bring people along with that. I think to point, um and Matt's point as well that it can't, be a always situation that that's just how the team operates but that should be once in a um, a blue moon so to speak and the the ongoing path of the team I think you should always have um, a good observation of the team's um, the team's needs. So you should be to looking at your tech debt, your bugs, and like just the amount of the health that you need inside the team and being able to work out a rough percentage of the time you need to operate as a team, um, doing continuous improvements, um, focusing on tech debt and other things so that you can operate at a trajectory where when things like this come up, it's not a huge impact. But if you're operating at a point where you're not ahead of the game and keeping on top of those things, you'll get to these points and it can really drown a team. Um, if you're not um, ahead of the game and are looking three or six months forward all the time.
2: Yeah. yeah once, once the team gets the uh, sense of ownership, I know uh, uh, there is no stopping from there on because once they start to uh, relate to the product, not as a job, but as their own. Yes. That's, that's when, uh, yeah, you will go above and beyond to do anything for the product.
1: hundred percent. Thank you. And I think um, with that, like we've, We've all seen that transition from um, engineering being more of a top-down to a servant um, leadership-style approach, and I think my role definitely is sitting there and being with the rest of the team and um, removing noise where we can and then driving that motivation by realising that we all own um, the product and we're all trying to drive this business value and we're all um, a part of a larger organisation trying to drive that customer value that we're all seeking. Um, And the moment that people are kind of engaged with that it's a, it's a super motivating uh, factor. Like I get tingles down my spine just talking about this
0: now.
1: But <laughs> realizing that motivation that we're all in
0: there together. Definitely. And some really good points, Joel. Just kind of moving on to our next question, which just relates to what you're talking about, about your individual roles. So, I guess in terms of growth, um, what are the roles and responsibilities of, say, yourselves as leaders, um, then in companies, individuals, and the team to support growth while continuing to improve? What are you thinking there, Anka? <laughs> um,
2: yeah. Well, uh, again, we, I guess we kind of was uh, we were talking on the same topic already, where we define that as a as a leader, one needs to be clear and concise, uh, showing the vision and setting up the goals and the right expectations, not only with the stakeholders but also with the team, uh, getting. Uh, the team motivated is at most important, and uh, lead by example is something that I would always recommend. I do not uh, recommend becoming a leader where you do not even know what team is talking or what language team has been talking in, and that becomes a quite a, uh, a letdown for the team if uh, the managers do not understand the language itself. Therefore, you should be able to contribute. Might not be able to drive the entire end-to-end initiative, but oh, yeah, definitely you should be able to contribute, understand, and deliver value to the conversation that the team has been having. So, yeah, those are a few of the many skills as uh, the leader or the engineering manager that is required to to um, assess the team becoming the best-performing uh, team. Yeah. yeah, how about I you think, go, or Mayo, Matt?
3: Um, so I, th- I think that another thing Thing I would throw in there is in terms of how the team is going to work together um and I'm definitely sensing now I'm looking through Joel's lens yeah okay maybe I, I'm one of those relationship focused people because I'm about to say <laughs> something else relationship focused um so how, how the team works together um and and making sure that you've got um that psychological safety built in so that you can encourage healthy conflict um without uh Having that kind of like the negative conflict where where people disagreeing with each other and just go off and do their own thing anyway, um, I think as a manager or a leader, it's it's really important that you set that team culture, you set the team norms, how how the team's going to operate together, um, and that kind of comes comes into. Every aspect of it, similarly to to what Anka's is saying about motivation, how that can affect every single aspect of of delivery and performance as a team. I think the ability to work together uh, effectively and to be open and honest with each other really enables you to um, deliver more effectively. But it also enables you to have that focus on personal growth. So, uh, a, a tiny anecdote from from uh, one of my teams at work, but like, we've we've got. Um, uh, a senior engineer who who's keen to sort of progress and continue to go through the, the ranks towards our sort of lead engineer and principal engineer roles. Um, and one of the things that he's been able to do really effectively is to be super open and honest about, hey, these are the things I am not good at that I need to be good at in order to do these. And he's told the entire rest of the team, like, um, these are the things I want to get better at. And like, like, if, if you think you are good at this thing, please help me with it. And if you see an opportunity for me to, to do something that's going to enable me to develop these skills, please say, hey, um, do, do you want to like pair on this task with me? Or uh, do you want to um, to take this one on uh, instead of me taking it on? Because I know this is an area of specific focus for you. And it's been yeah, really good because the, the team are then able to, to help out. And as a manager, I don't actually have to be directly involved. He, he's getting the career growth because I've I've set the culture, um but I don't have to be involved in every single step of the, the journey there as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Matt.
3: I think that's such a
1: great point about publicizing um people's own individual growth plans and seeing where everyone else can uh, join in and help. And I think probably an anchor's um, point as well when you get a team, um, which is that's the right word, um, very, very positive and helping one another um, and you get good morale inside the team, everyone will kind of jump in there and help and um, it's something I've seen work really well before and having all the team members exactly as you said, and, and Matt, sharing their own personal development plans and getting other people to time in and seeing where they can lean on other people for their own source of knowledge and removing yourself um, from that, I think, creates such special bonds inside of a team um, for them to work a lot closer together going forward and like other things will come up inevitably as a team. You're going know, to have barriers and hurdles and things you'll come up against and creating those um, relationships and that strength in there will help you so much as a team to um, go back to our point before about being the best team. I think it's really about creating those foundations um, so you can um, conquer any hurdle or mountain that comes up against you. Um, and so I think my... Two cents in here Like everyone wants to grow. Like I think when people become stagnant, you get um, you'll find people will pick up other unhealthy habits or they'll be putting there um, the time elsewhere. So you have to. I always sit down with my team and um, understand what their aspirations are, and who, um, the goals inside so safety culture. Each um, engineer has a personal personal development plan, so we um, understand what our goals are. Um, and we all work toward it. And as the engineering manager, I catch up with each of my team every six weeks um, and just checking the progress um, toward the plans. That's usually over um, a yearly plan. And I also encourage the team to create zero tickets and bring into our sprint. They are doing work so they can show the rest of the team exactly what they're working on. Um, this brings back into the um, the crowd. Um, ideas other people can be aware of what other people are doing they can chime in and people can start to help each other removing yourself from it and um, creating some more uh, stronger bonds inside of the team um i also will stress that bringing the bring it into a sprint as a juror ticket really empowers the team members to guard that time because it tends to be the Lowest priority thing, if there's a deliverable or something you have to hit, um, people will not prioritize their own time and their own growth. And if this is something that is sustained at the end of six months or 12 months, people look back and they'll feel like they're stagnant and they're not growing. Um, and this can lead into things like attrition and all the other things you kind of don't want as an engineering manager. So it's very important to make sure that time is shielded um, and you're ensuring
3: that your team is growing. Matt? Matt? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, that you say, say something there around how everybody wants to to grow. Um I'm gonna steal Mira's job um and, and skip on to <laughs> the last question here. Um but we've um what what do you do if you find someone who's kind of happy to coast? Um so you you've reached a certain level and you're like, you know what, I can do my job pretty easily. It doesn't cause me too much stress and I don't want to go past past this level and like I don't I don't feel the need to grow. How do you cope with situations like that? So um, that's such an interesting question.
1: I think um,
0: <laughs> it's, it's a good one.
3: There is
1: there are so many different avenues where this will come out. So I've seen before um both sides of this. So one side being someone who was um at a point, but highly, almost became a little bit destructive. Um, so they went from being the in the top to becoming a little bit destructive. Um, and so I worked with the person, and I kind of I, I observed for a little bit, and I noticed these destructive behaviours. And then I turned to um, I had a few meetings with them. I was just trying to unpack what kind of what changed. And then I, I finally jumped in and used a disk profile. I had a look over there and. Inside the disk profile, this person was well off on um, the directive um, side and inside of the team, they'd kind of not had much control over what they were working on anymore. Um, and this had led them to exhibiting these really unhealthy behaviours. So inside of there, it gave me the opportunity to um, to formulate a plan and at that point we created a bit of a feature lead um, programme so that it they could jump in and lead these features. And then off the back of that, it turned, it was, yeah, it was a silver bullet uh, for this situation. It turned things around um miraculously and kind of uh, led them back into being a highly motivated um, individual inside of the team. So I think my two cents from that is it's always good to diagnose and understand and not jump to conclusions. Like in that situation, I never would have jumped to that conclusion without Um, kind of diagnosing first and understanding their profile and I think the similar kind of mentality can be used if someone is um, like an overachiever or highly achieving they just don't want to grow anymore or they seem a bit stagnant or whatever it is but it's about really understanding and using all the tools that you have as an engineering manager um, to understand and see where they could grow and flexing it might be a case that they've got a bit of a gap and you can do a gap analysis and um, work with them through a gap analysis and uh, is this an area that would motivate you to kind of uh, to focus on? So, thank you. I think you've got something to say.
2: Yeah, uh, on, on the similar lines, and um, uh, I was uh, uh, kind of uh, reiterating the question again and again in my brain when you were talking. I mean, I personally. Uh, do not feel uh, it's wrong for someone to be satisfied uh, where the person is. So if the person is overly achieving, which is all good, but doesn't want to grow, uh, it is. It is at times it is also all right because the person is satisfied with in what he has or she has. But then again, the question is. Uh, Are we making the best utilization of of the person's skills and the experience? That that is more uh, valuable to me because more uh, as we are growing towards the uh, more agile ways of working, and these are the new buzzwords from quite some time, uh, Spotify, Model, and so on and so forth. The hierarchy uh, is just a word it does not exist anymore so so does the position so it's more about the responsibilities so as as a quality analyst someone who should be able to code or as a developer someone should be able to lead it, it those those uh, hierarchical lines are more blurred now and i guess if the individual who's been very highly performing and awesome in his job and, and delivering value but doesn't want to grow um, I think it is more about challenging this particular person with the appropriate responsibilities that you think the person should be able to deliver. Do not make it as a big bang, giving it slowly and steadily, uh, nurturing the talent into that particular uh, direction as, as, a, as an individual. Uh, and also understanding the, the lack of motivations in doing others' jobs. Could it be? I've had an experience with a a team lead of mine who one day came up to me and said, "Might I don't want to leave the team. I want to go to the senior engineer. I was like, wow, people generally do it the other way around. But then the person had a hobby of doing uh, construction on this side. And he thought he doesn't, he's not able to give the value and the equal amount of love to the leading position. And he wanna pursue his hobby on the side as well. So, I mean, even though the person is uh, good, great in what he does, but then the person's passion actually came uh, on top of what he wanted to do. And that's purely right for me uh, to give the person the time and bandwidth to be able to do and add value to the place where the person wants to add value. Eventually, and challenge the person uh, to the to the right uh, area so that we can continuously start getting uh, the 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 best of the person's abilities within the organization as well.
0: Matt, that that was your question there. So any <laughs> any last points on that?
3: That's really awesome to get uh, a couple of, of different perspectives on this as well. Um, I think that like at Octopus, one of the things that really attracted me to, to the company is that we've got different management and engineering streams so we don't just say oh well, you were a really good engineer so now here's a brand new job and you become a manager and like you, you don't want to do it because you actually want to be hands-on with code like it's a it's a specific and deliberate choice to go into a management position and a, and a leadership position um, and we we make paths for, for engineers to stay um, hands-on um, while also still progressing and so I think that's that's really good, and I think that kind of it does give you the ability to. You've got a few more tools that you can use to get the best out of those people, um, as you you're saying. Like um, if you if you run this framework and it tells you that somebody's really interested in leadership, you can suggest, oh, hey, maybe you wanted to to go down the engineering management route rather than continuing to progress as a, an engineer forever. Um, but for people who are really really task focused um, and just want to code. Um, as much as possible during the day, you've, you've got that that tool as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's great to, to hear from the guys.
0: Definitely. Thank you. And thanks so much, everyone, for sharing all your personal experiences as well. And I think it just kind of highlights just how important it is to understand where your team's coming from in that communication Um, but i think we'll leave it there for today we've covered a lot and so big massive thank you to anchor matt and joel for joining me and we'll see you all next time on the installment of the evolution exchange